0: Hello, and welcome to the Life Without School podcast, here to help you and your children live the life you want to, not just the one you're told you should. I'm Izzy, a writer and unschooling dad from New Zealand. You can find more about me at startgravingdadblog.com, as well as collections of my favorite posts bundled up into supportive, encouraging little guidebooks for anyone walking this road less travelled. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen today. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Well, well, well. After weeks of staring at this microphone on my desk, I have finally managed to shake off my introvertedness enough to actually turn it on. Firstly, I just want to say thank you so much to the hundreds of people who have sent me messages encouraging me to do this podcast. It's something I've thought about for years and years, so it's pretty cool to finally show up here. For this first episode, I want to set the scene on why I'm so passionate about shining a light on life paths for children that don't involve the normal school thing. And to do that, I'm going to tell you two little stories. The first, the story of my own schooling career through the late eighties and nineties, and then the second, a comparison of my two oldest children. And underneath both stories will be this concept of a child, not being enough of falling behind because in the time we're living right now, perhaps more than ever, Those voices that are telling us our children are slipping further and further behind where they should be have never been louder. But in my opinion, never more wrong. Okay, let's talk. Right, so the first story I want to tell you to help me set the scene for why this podcast even exists is going to be mine. I want to take you through two very different halves of my schooling life. Because they perfectly illustrate the issue I have with this whole idea of being able to fall behind. And the problem with trying to fit not just all children into one system, but even the same child at different points of their life as they grow and change. So let's go all the way back to 1986. I'm really going to show my age here because I'm Googling this as we speak. Apparently it was the year the Oprah Winfrey show aired for the very first time. Uh, looks like Cindy Lauper was on the music charts. Wow. And I started school. Yeah, that's that's a really good way to feel old. But from that first day of walking into a classroom, I was the model A plus student. I crushed the school game. I was in all the extension programs. I was in sports and athletics teams. I was a total joy to have in the classroom. I had lots of friends. And I enjoyed being in the classroom from what I remember. This is one of my actual report cards from when I was about 12, and I I didn't know it then, but this would be, this was going to be my peak, my schooling career peak. Izzy is a teacher's delight. He listens, considers, watches, and acts with thought and maturity. He will achieve what he sets out to achieve in life and should set his sights very high. Very highly self-motivated, empathetic, capable, conscientious, enthusiastic, intelligent, and well-liked boy. Okay, I mean, first of all, how many superlatives do you really need before it starts getting silly? But honestly, that was my peak. I got to the age of 12, I was crushing it, but it was all downhill from there. Enter high school, the pimples, the bad haircuts, but also a whole bunch of other stuff. Things like more structure, more pressure, more testing, and what I think was one of the biggest issues for me, at least... That splitting up of classes and subjects into super short blocks. I'm from New Zealand, which is where I went to high school, and our days were made up of 50-minute classes followed by that really quite short 10-minute changeover block, which gave you just enough time to get to the next class, set up for the next subject, and get started again. Um, Fun fact on class times, by the way, segue, there's actually no good reason for having the sort of class links we do, even though we've been doing it. The same way, almost globally, for over 100 years. It, it, it feels like something that we should have come to really intentionally. Like it's just such a core part of our entire education system. But it wasn't at all. Even after research has clearly shown that children can't even possibly concentrate for that long in one hit, we haven't changed it. And, and research actually shows that between 10 and 20 minutes is the sweet spot. Anything beyond that, and it's like banging your head against the wall. And so we have this weird imbalance of classes that are too long for someone to sit and concentrate right through, but also too short to allow for that coming and going and the ebbing and flowing of someone's natural focus. So it's just like a, a really weird middle ground that just doesn't work. Take a teenager's first class of the day. Let's, let's say it's an English class focused for that week on a creative writing project. For the sake of this illustration, let's assume this particular teenager is actually interested in the medium of taking ideas from their brain and putting them down into narratives and stories. Many, of course, won't be, but let's assume that this one is. So picture the teenager entering the room at nine o'clock after a busy morning of getting ready for school, packing their lunch, saying goodbye to their family, running to catch the bus. Picture them settling in, pulling out their laptop, laying out their books. And listening to their teacher introduce a new style of prose or reading an inspiration section from a book or how they start the class. Picture them turning their attention to their work, slowly starting to write or type as the parts of their brain, heart, concentration levels, all those things that need to mix together, pull together in harmony. And then after finally achieving is that kind of flow state, and you know it, you can feel it when it when it comes, when they finally get that in their work, picture their face as the bell rings to end the class at 9.50 a.m. They pack up their things, the flow state washes away, they walk to their next class, and it's maths. And it's trigonometry or something. I really don't know enough about maths to even pull out the right word. But they sit down, they rinse, and they repeat, and they go and do it all over again tomorrow. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. That's another chat for another day. But class time's crazy. So back to my experience at high school first two years, I went okay, but my A's started dropping to B's and they were down to C's. By the time I was 15, I was starting to become quite conscious of the fact I was struggling to keep up and the next year going into that kind of 16 year old age with a schedule packed with chemistry and physics and statistics and history and English and whatever else was on the typical 16 year old kid's plate here in New Zealand, I started to crumble. I actually can't read out one of my report cards from that time because I stopped opening them. I couldn't bring myself to. I'd, I'd actually love to know what they said. It would not have been the highs of that report I received earlier, which was, you know, set your goals in life high and you'll go and achieve them. It would have been, we'll not be able to do anything and will be a complete failure. I actually stopped. Even showing up to some classes, I would duck away to the public library for entire afternoons. And I vividly remember walking away from the school, feeling this sense of relief at not having to face trying to keep up, and I knew I couldn't. But that would be so quickly chased by a feeling of guilt and stress about the consequences that, that had to come. And I remember being acutely aware of the fact that I was now behind and I would not catch up. And I'm sure in the school's eyes, I was effectively a lost cause by that point. Somehow I scraped through my final year of exams. I have no idea how, but a pass in New Zealand in those days was 47%. And in my final exam, I had to pass to get university entrance because I'd failed two others and you had to get three out of five papers. I hit 47% on the dot. I literally got university entrance by 1%. That. In itself, is was a very strange concept that I'll dig into on another day as well. So I got university entrance, and based on a couple of movies that I loved as a teenager, of course, I decided to become a lawyer. Because why not? And then I spent years at university repeating exactly the same cycle from school. Setting out each year with really good intentions, I need to fall behind, and then eventually just bail out. I left university with nothing to show for it, but a stack of student loan debt. So in summary, as far as the school system is concerned, I had a good start, but eventually I was a failure. But the plot twist is that I'm actually not. It took me years to really process that, but since bombing out of both school and then university after so many years of feeling like a failure, I've gone on to work in senior sales roles, project management roles, marketing roles. I've started and sold a business. I've helped grow an amazing software company from really small to really big. I've hired and managed and led really big teams of fantastic people. And over the past few years, written words that have touched the lives of millions, which still blows my mind. I've married the woman of my dreams. I have four beautiful children. Every day I feel challenged. Every day I feel fulfilled. As a child, I fell behind the system. As a child... I was a failure, but I am not. I am living proof that the concept of falling behind through childhood of not meeting that standard, that's set is only real. If you believe it is, it only exists. If your main goal in life involves arriving at a specific place within a specific period of time, childhood is not, and should never be a race. It does not have to end at the same place for everyone. It is, and should always be. A journey that has many paths and endings, and many different measures of progress and success. If you've followed me on Instagram or Facebook for a while, you'll have seen me compare my two oldest children over and over because they're the perfect illustration of why we need to be so so careful telling children that there is one set standard because these two boys, similar ages in the overall scheme of things, are totally different humans. The first is a reader and a writer and an artist. He feels as bedroom walls with his own work. He's got notebooks scattered around that he takes a pen to every day. He inhales books. He just has this ferocious appetite for creating his own work. He matches and exceeds the normal academic standards in his sleep. When he spent some time in school a few years ago, he was just a delight to his teachers. And then there's the second boy and he's almost completely the opposite. He needs to move and to make noise and to express himself physically he learns by doing things by tinkering and exploring and experimenting and breaking and fixing and when he was at school um a few years ago, he could never sit still long enough to meet the standards that required him to and I'll never forget one of those parent teacher meetings we had for him we were We were called in um my wife Kate and I, and we had to sit on those tiny little wooden kids' chairs while his very traditional teacher sitting on the other side of the desk in her normal sized chair. Told us how disruptive he was, how little focus he had. In fact, I remember very clearly being told that he lacked basic comprehension. And he was about seven at that time. And again, if you follow me on social media anywhere, you'll see me sharing videos of that very boy playing these beautiful classic piano pieces. And that was the same boy who was told and likely forever would have been told that he was behind, that he wasn't good enough. If we set the same finish line for my two boys, one will always be ahead and one will always be behind. One will always be right and correct and respected and the other will always be broken. And so here we are with this podcast. What I've talked about today, the difference between not just two children, but even the difference in one child as they grow is why I'm here talking about this. It's why I believe this podcast needs to exist. Because there are millions of children around the world who are waking up every day feeling broken, feeling like they're not enough, believing that the things that come most naturally to them are not important. And we've listened to those voices telling our children they need to go faster to keep up, to relentlessly push towards that one finish line, that one gold standard for over a hundred years. And it's time we stopped doing that and started respecting children for who they really are instead. Phew, Okay. If you've made it this far with me, thank you so much. I'm so pumped to keep showing up here every week, shining a light on the beauty of difference. I'm told podcasts live and die in the reviews they get, so if you've taken something from this and you're excited to see it get fully rolling, please consider leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to it on. Pass it around, share it with any friends that you think might enjoy this listen. And hopefully, I'll see you back here in a week. Bye for now.